Airlines Confidential with Ben Baldanza and Chris Chimes is made possible with the support of Pratt & Whitney, whose GTF engines are redefining aviation. Learn more at pwgtf.com. TA Connections, the industry's most comprehensive airline lodging and crew logistics program. taconnections.com. Clear, a leader in touchless travel. Learn more at clearme.com slash airlines. And Seabury Capital Group, global reach, global scale. seaburycapital.com. We also welcome your business's support. Info at airlinesconfidential.com. Hey, Airline Groupies, thanks for taking a break from the holiday shopping and decorating to tune in to Airlines Confidential, or maybe you're multitasking on your phone and ordering off Amazon. As you listen, that works. Either way, I'm Chris Chimes, along with Ben Baldanza, and we're glad you're here. Ben, what's shaking in DC? Hey, Chris. The class I teach at George Mason has just winded down and all the students have taken their final exam. So that's kind of great as everybody heads into the uh, December holidays. But I'm busy with year-end work for the boards I sit on too. So this is a busy time, just like it's a busy time for airlines. And they get ready for the holiday rush, which they did a pretty good job of over Thanksgiving at least. Yeah, they sure did. I was flying out of DFW this past Friday a very different scene than the Sunday after Thanksgiving. I literally walked straight to the TSA agent. There was no line, but you know, the flights were full. The terminal was full. Uh, the Admiral's Club was full for American. But it wasn't busting at the seams like it's going to be doing in another week or 10 days or so. So uh, the holiday rush will soon be upon us. So, Ben, we're going to talk to another Ben, Ben Plummer of Elemental Cognition in a bit He's going to make us smarter about some AI-based solutions they have developed for airline product offerings. But first, let's tap into some Ben intelligence and talk about a couple of aviation news topics. And of course, we've got to start with the Omicron variant and the travel restrictions that have been put in place. Well, that's right, Chris. It seems like we take you know, two steps forward, one step back here with the idea that this virus is going to continue to mutate. And it's starting to look more and more like we're never going to beat this virus, right? We're going to learn to live with this virus. It's going to continue to mutate. And so Omicron has come. People have gotten panicked about that. And I understand the panic when you don't know what this means. You don't know how transmissible it is. You don't know how dangerous it is compared to what we know about this thing. So as a result of that, travel gets hit again and countries close down and we talk about new rules on testing and things. It's just so unfortunate that the travel business and airlines especially are sort of at the end of this whip, sort of getting moved around as the virus mutates and governments react and things. But I saw Barry Biffle, the CEO of Frontier, on TV, and he made the point that Omicron doesn't seem to be affecting customer behavior in a big way. They talked about having a very big Thanksgiving time and that their bookings for the end of the year were very, very strong. So his view is that people are learning how to live with this. They understand they have to wear masks on the plane. And he gave a very encouraging message that 
the industry is going to be able to sort of fly through this. That may be true for a frontier that flies domestically and close in international, may be a bigger challenge for the transatlantic and transpacific carriers. That's my sense. I think that's right. You know, in the middle of last week, too, and as the variant news was kind of spilling out, the U.S. government extended the mask mandate uh, on all transportation through March. It really didn't even make much of a headline. I think people kind of expected it. And as you point out, people are prepared just to live with variations of the virus for a while. But people want to get back to a normal routine and traveling is one of them uh, for business or pleasure, as we've seen uh, very successfully over the past six or eight months. So obviously, we got to watch this. But the shock to the stock market from the week before there was a bit of recovery. I, I think overreaction by any group at this point is not useful. Investors, customers, employees, whatever it might be, but we got to continue to watch this. So let's turn our attention to something else. We get tired of talking about COVID and I'm sure our listeners get tired of listening about it, but it's always the subject of the week at some level. There was some very cool news coming out of Chicago last week as our friends at United operated the first flight in the U.S. using 100% sustainable aviation fuel on a commercial flight from Chicago to DCA. And CEO Scott Kirby and some of his board were passengers. Ben, what did you think about all this? I thought it was fantastic that, uh, you know, we know this is going on around the world that airlines and Airframe manufacturers, engine manufacturers are all thinking about how can we use more sustainable fuel. But to fly, you know, a, a real flight like this from Chicago to DCA full of people and make a big deal about it, I thought was great. They should have made a big deal about this. It's not the first plane that's flown with sustainable fuel, but it's the first one by a big U.S. airline in the United States. And United has made it a pattern over the last couple of years to try to be seen as a real innovator and pushing the edge. You know, when they ordered the electric small airplanes, when they ordered the supersonic airplanes, when they were the first big airline to require that all of their employees be vaccinated, all of those things were a strategy to say we're going to be a leader not a follower in this industry. And they they led in COVID things and now they're leading with this sustainable thing. There are still a lot of questions about this. Last week, we spoke with Rick Derlew from, from Pratt and asked him, do we know what these sort of alternative fuels do to the engines? Do we know, you know, are the engines going to have to be repaired twice as often? Or maybe they don't burden the engine as much. Maybe it's actually helpful, right? We just don't know. So while I think it's fantastic that they've done this, the world clearly needs to move to more sustainable kinds of fuels. Doing a flight like this proves that it can be done, doesn't prove that it can be done economically yet. That's another hurdle that has to be met. But overall, I was really happy to see both United do this and talk about it proudly. They should be. Yeah, I really like the fact that they continue to own the narrative and develop the narrative and the story of their company and where they're trying to take things. Uh, I really like the fact that Scott was on the flight. Um, I think that was, you know, again, a sign of leadership. I think uh, Barney Harford, uh, my former colleague at Orbitz and also on their board, he was on the flight along with some other executives. So those were all really uh, important kinds of moments to keep this story moving. So uh, hats off to them. 
Well, Chris, our friends at Pratt & Whitney were certainly watching the United Flight success. Pratt & Whitney is a world leader in the design, manufacture, and service of aircraft and helicopter engines and auxiliary power units. The Pratt & Whitney GTF engine is driving the next generation of more sustainable travel. This revolutionary geared turbofan engine is allowing airlines and airports to open new routes and fly more people farther and with less fuel and much lower noise. Learn more at pwgtf.com. And if you haven't had a chance, please check out the conversation with Rick Durlew from Pratt in last week's podcast, as Ben mentioned. We also want to thank TA Connections, which partners with more than 140 aviation and cruise line companies and hundreds of thousands of hotels worldwide. TA Connection procures over 30 million room nights annually on behalf of their clients and makes travel arrangements easier and less expensive. TA Connections is a fleet core company and the world's leading provider of technology and services for crew and passenger logistics management. And finally, Ben, I was interested in the news last week about Allegiant and Mexico's Viva Aerobus announcing plans for a low-cost airline alliance in the U.S.-Mexico market. So this is your world here. Uh, do you think there are going to be more of these ultra-low-cost carry hookups as they look to grow? Does that fit with the ULCC strategy, or are we starting to add complexities that add costs? You know, that's exactly what I was thinking when I saw this. Now, in some ways, it makes a ton of sense for Allegiant and Viva Aerobus to work together. But a few years ago, certainly pre-pandemic, if you looked at the ULCC playbook, if one existed, one of the things it would have said is you don't do alliances and code shares and partnerships and things because they are complicated, right? <laughs> and complications drive costs. But that has changed. I mean, you've seen low-cost airlines do partnerships with high-cost airlines when American did their deal with Sky Airline in Chile, for example, and also talking to Viva Colombia as well. And so, I think that this is the world going forward, Chris. One of the things we've learned is that when things get really bad, like they did with the demand destruction after the pandemic, one way to mitigate that risk somewhat is to rely on partners a little bit more. And rather than have Viva Aerobus buy airplanes to expand in the U.S., and Allegiant buy airplanes to expand into Mexico, they've both realized that, hey, if we work together, we can benefit from that expansion on each side of the border, yet do it in a more efficient capital kind of way and in a way that maybe controls capacity better. And I think that's the real reason that I do see more of these hookups happening over time is that companies are going to see that they can meet some of their growth targets, they can meet some of their network expansion targets without necessarily having to go buy all the airplanes to do it and putting all those seats in the market on top of everybody else doing the same thing. By working together, the whole system can be more efficient. Okay, well, let's see where we stand on this issue uh, in December 2022 uh, as this... Uh this alliance plays out and other ULCCs look at this and maybe get inspiration. Well, we'll be right back with our conversation with Ben Plummer, which is brought to you with the support of Clear, which makes travel safer and easier. Become a member of Clear and you'll enjoy frictionless journeys 
when you use Clear's Home to Gate feature, which lets you know exactly the best time to leave for the airport. Plus, Clear's signature experience helps you move seamlessly through airport security. Where will you go? Get back out there with Clear. Well, now we're very excited to welcome Ben Plummer to the show. I was very fortunate to see a demo run of the product Ben is going to talk to us about. And after seeing it, I thought, wow, I bet our listeners are going to be interested in this too. So Ben, tell us about your background and your company, Elemental Cognition. Thanks, Ben and Chris. Thanks for having me. A large part of my background has been centered around technology. I grew up in Australia, studied IT at the University of Technology, Sydney, and spent the first part of my career really helping companies build innovative businesses that were enabled by technology. I then moved to the States about 10 years ago, spent close to a decade with investment manager Bridgewater Associates in a variety of roles across the research and client-facing aspects of their business. It was there that I met EC's founder and CEO, Dave Ferrucci. I joined EC last year as they were beginning the transition from one focused on R&D to one that balances R&D with commercialization. It's such an amazing opportunity to join a company with such wide-ranging disruptive potential right as they begin that journey. It's still very much a startup, so we all wear lots of hats, but my primary focus has been working with our initial partners to build out use cases and technology based on the core platform. And EC was really founded around this idea of building systems that can be truly collaborative thought partners with humans. They understand, they reason, they collaborate. And this is what we believe is the true potential of AI, something that's really not being delivered in what we see across today's solutions. So Ben Plummer, you've got this product travel assist that caught Ben Beldanza's eye. Describe how the product works. And as you're responding, can you also just give a simple explanation of, of what AI is supposed to be trying to do? Yeah. So at the highest level, we really tried to mimic the experience of what we imagine an expert travel agent would provide. Collaborating with users in natural language, helping them understand and define their options and preferences helping them avoid and resolve problems, in proactively warning them about challenges they may run into, while still delivering many of the benefits you get from a technology-based solution, the scale, the efficiency, the convenience, the consistency, and really combining those so you get the best of both worlds. And a couple of just examples of how that sort of plays out. One example, which is the, the solution that Ben saw, was this process of trying to book a complex round-the-world ticket. This is a product that has a lot of attractive benefits, but a number of complex rules that the user must understand and navigate, which is really quite difficult to do. And what our system does is really guides the user through that process, lets them focus on what they're really worried about, and has the system handle all the complex rules, routing, flight schedules, and really let them focus on the exciting parts of booking a trip. You know, today's online systems when booking these type of complex trips have less than 1% customer conversion. Most people end up giving up, either going to a call center or contacting a travel agent. We think we can deliver a pretty different fundamental experience that really lets the user figure that out on their own without needing to worry about a lot of this complexity. So Ben, it would be helpful if you sort of, for people who can't actually see the demo that I saw, Walk us through how the consumer would interact with Travel Assist. 
sort of going back to that initial idea of mimicking a travel agent, it sort of starts with very broad, open-ended questions. Where do you want to go? What's important to you? Do you have any particular requirements or preferences? And starts with the customer's goals in mind. And then from there, we'll guide them through the process of what are the different options available to them? What are the different decisions they need to make? Is, is price more important than potentially, say, a direct flight? Are they interested in alternatives that might be cheaper or more advantageous in other ways? And so it really sort of walks them through that process every step along the way. And if they run into challenges, say they've asked for a, a combination of different cities which are, which are not serviced, it will help guide them that through that process of, of resolving that, whether there's an alternative route they can take, whether there's a nearby city that they can get to much more easily. And so this idea of sort of being there right side by side with the customer, helping them make decisions that are important to them, and having the system go do all the hard work of checking all the different options that are available and proposing or recommending solutions to the customer. Ben, what's the potential market for this? Is this a big problem that needs to be solved? Uh, how, how many of these complex itineraries are booked like on an annual basis? Yeah, what we actually think and, and what we hear from a lot of people that we talk to is this is not restricted to these complex sort of round the world itineraries. If you look at the process for even booking a simple trip, I know I went through one of these examples with my family recently where I'm looking for family friendly destinations. I'm trying to understand the COVID restrictions. I'm trying to understand what other travel restrictions might be in place. I'm comparing the costs of flights and, and different options to get there and then hotels. Even a simple sort of week-long trip with the family ends up being a pretty complicated process. And we really don't see anyone trying to support the customer through that in an end-to-end -end way. There's some really interesting study that Google did where they followed a person for three months before their trip. And I think there was something like 140 different travel websites they booked and over 20 hours of research they were conducting. And that's really left up to the customer to figure out on their own. There's no one sort of looking at that holistically. And we think we can guide the user through that process end to end, supporting them along that way, helping them conduct research, compare options, and ultimately end up with something that they feel confident is the right option for them. So then is this ultimately a solution that an airline or an OTA would offer? Or is this like a meta that consumers would go to and get ideas. Tell us how you think this would be integrated. Yeah, we think it it honestly could apply to all parts of, of that sort of value chain. Certainly for the airline's perspective, it gives them an ability to capture the customer much early in that research journey, guide them through that process, learn a lot more about what's actually important to them and capture a lot more of that sort of overall trip planning, which has a, obviously a lot of economic benefits. The same with the OTAs. They obviously have a, a benefit of a, a sort of broader array of options and, and packages they can offer to the customer. And there's an ability to cut through a lot of that complexity that can be honestly quite overwhelming when there's thousands of different options to choose for. We see our solution being able to really intelligently guide the customer through the process, let them focus on what's important to them, and have the system go do the hard work of figuring out you know, how that compares to what's available and, and how that's priced. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, Ben. How far along are you in product development? And I'm not saying specifically with this complex round the world 
kind of idea that we've talked a little bit about here. But how do you see your product development in terms of, you know, are you ready to talk to airlines and distributors right now saying we can make your process much more intuitive, get much higher conversion, things like that? Where are you in the development? We're very much at that stage. You know, we're as you sort of know, we're a technology company. We're, we're not a travel company. And so we're looking for partners that we can work with to build out these different capabilities and apply them to their specific businesses. Obviously, each aspect of the travel industry, whether it's an airline or an OTA, has slightly different requirements and, and goals in which they're trying to do. And so we're looking to partner with them to adapt these capabilities to meet their specific needs. In terms of launch readiness, we're in the final stages of testing the application. We've actually been running hundreds of tests each week, and the results have been extremely encouraging. You know, you're seeing an 80 to 90% reduction in challenges that the user's running into, much higher customer conversion, really around this idea of stripping out complexity and reducing the number of problems that the customer's running into. When I went through the demo with you, what I was impressed in was how you could, as a consumer, you know, talk to the technology in a way like, like you can type in things like, what if I want to stop in Bangkok? You know, you could type that sentence in and it would then understand what you're trying to do, go back and look at all the rules, figure out what adding that stop would do to your flight itinerary and your pricing and whether it met the rules and things. And so it seems to me that as you try to pitch this to airlines and distributors and things like that, more than specifically just the round the world idea it seems to me that you want to get people who are going to sort of understand how the AI approach makes all kinds of searches just so much easier and so much more comfortable. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and we're hearing that a lot. Almost everyone we talk to across the industry recognizes this problem, which is many of the sites today are highly optimized for the customer who knows exactly where they want to go and when they want to travel, the reality is that that represents only a portion of today's travelers. And certainly things like COVID have made the complexity and ambiguity even worse. And so no one really sees any solutions out there that help guide customers through that whole process. Exactly as you said, customers are asking questions. What happens if I you know, shift my trip back by a couple of weeks? What is there? Are there alternatives that are nearby? And the ability to do that in a way that's natural for humans, not them trying to figure out how that might work for the system's perspective. More with Ben Plummer in a minute. But first, a reminder that Seabury Capital Group is a specialty finance and investment banking firm advising key clients in aviation, aerospace and defense, and financial services and technologies. Seabury Capital Group's widely respected team has superior industry knowledge and an unmatched depth of relationships with decision makers in industry, finance, and government. Explore their global reach and scale at Seabury Capital. Com. Welcome back to our conversation with Ben Plummer from Elemental Cognition. Ben, as you continue to try to get your product to market and talk to lots of people in the industry, 
you know, who do you think is going to be the first mover? Is it going to be an airline? Is it going to be a GDS? Is it going to be a OTA? I mean, there's lots of players in the distribution system. Who do you think might be the, the best candidate to put this to market? Yeah, I think um, there's sort of two ways to look at this question. I think one is, is sort of starting with that, which is what are the most natural archetypes of customers? And I think there's interesting things to offer for both, certainly the airlines and the OTAs. The the GDS is, is a little bit of an interesting one, certainly given their relationships and networks and position in the value chain could be a really interesting partner for us as well. But I think most critically, and we find this across all the industries we work, it's around finding innovative organizations, people that are willing to be on the leading edge of technology that are willing to take risks and do something different, that's a really important factor because this is not tried and true. This is something that has the potential to be hugely disruptive and you need people that are comfortable sort of jumping in at that space and are quite visionary in terms of what can happen there. And so we're talking to a number of different organizations, both airlines and OTAs, and finding the ones that that really are on that leading edge and that want to partner with us to, to build out this technology. Ben, do you have serious competitors for this idea that you know of? I mean, obviously, this idea is real interesting, the idea of talking to an AI device to help plan my travel rather than just fill in boxes of from and to and dates and things. Are there other people trying to address this issue the same way and that you're in a race with? Do you think you're ahead in the race or do you think you've identified some uniquenesses that are going to be really hard for some people to catch up with you on? Yeah, this is one of the places where we really benefit from the significant investment Dave and the team has made in the underlying platform. They spent you know, almost five years focused purely on research and development, which gives them a massive advantage in terms of the underlying platform that allows us to jump into things like this and build them relatively quickly. And it's really, the reality is it's very hard to build these intelligent, natural, collaborative systems. There's a number of different sort of innovations that need to come together to actually do that. I don't know if you've tried to use any of the sort of travel chatbots out there today, but they're kind of embarrassingly bad. If, if anything, we've sort of got our work cut out for us breaking people's conceived notions of what they can actually do with these intelligent chatbots because they start with very low expectations around what they can say and what they might be able to actually achieve around that. So we really, we really don't see anyone doing anything like this today that seems to be validated by almost every, every partner that we talk to. And you know, once we come out with this, we do think there's going to be a lot of people trying to you know, replicate and imitate this, but we feel pretty confident that given the, the amount of investment we've made, that's going to be pretty difficult for them to do. Ben, where's the inspiration for this today? I mean, who's doing it well? Or once you get this solution developed, what other sectors might this also be useful for? Yeah, there's the whole idea around sort of I'd start at the top around EC's mission to build these truly collaborative thought partners as machines. There's there That applies to almost every industry. The, the sort of specific solution that we've adapted for the travel industry we call collaborative configuration. We see opportunities in almost every industry. This could be helping me decide how to build a retirement plan for me. 
This could be helping me decide what healthcare plan is best for me and my family. A whole variety of places where you've got inherent complexity in the products. People are overwhelmed with information that they're trying to sort through to make really important decisions. You know, you could argue these are much more consequential than booking a holiday. Um, and there's really nothing helping guide the customer through that process. Technology's come a long way. You know, product development, the amount of options that are out there for people is really exploded over the last few years. But we really don't think technology's kept pace in keeping that simple and easy for the customers. And so we're in, in conversations and, and working with a number of different people across a whole variety of industries to bring this same technology to bear. Well, I'd like you to build an app to help me uh, decide where to go out to eat when I want to <laughs> expand from my normal five places we go. <laughs> no worries. I'll put it on the list. <laughs> well, Ben, this has been fantastic. Um, technology to help people do things easier and to help companies be more efficient and sell more products is such a robust and interesting world. And you're at the forefront of this using this idea of AI to create a real conversational way to book complex things or solve complex problems that otherwise, you know, you might need a human being or just hours and hours of research to do. So we really appreciate you coming on the show. Good luck with the development of this. I hope that soon we're going to see this kind of technology integrated when we go book a trip sometime soon. Will do. And thank you both very much for having me. Now it's time to take your questions. You can email us questions at airlinesconfidential.com or visit our website at airlinesconfidential.com and follow the prompts. We're available on all the major podcast platforms, and you can ask Amazon Alexa or Google Assist to turn us on. Just say, play the Airlines Confidential podcast. Chris, our first question is from Tacodac from Vancouver, Washington. Hi, guys. Love the show. I was on board Southwest a few days ago and noticed how the pilots were speeding down the taxiway faster than any other airline I've been on. Why does this happen on Southwest? Ah, uh, the age-old uh, Southwest speeds on the taxiway question. Thanks for your question. Uh, this has been around for decades, um, getting back to Southwest start. Ben, you probably have something to add to it, but when they were always very efficient on block time and getting the aircraft to the gate uh, after landing, this was just part of their culture. They continue to do this safely. They, I can't recall any incidents where there's been a, an accident or something untoward with regard to their fast taxi speeds, but that's just been part of how they've operated since the beginning. And I think other airlines have taken some inspiration and picked up on this a bit. I think that's right, Chris. You know, in, in many ways, Southwest has changed its commercial approach, used to avoid really big airports. Now it buys slots and goes into big airports, used to not fly internationally, now flies internationally, things like that. But at the operational level, that airline has always been spectacular. And they've been able to keep that even as the commercial world for them has changed somewhat. So personally, I enjoy seeing the Southwest plane speed on the taxiway. I always think everybody should be doing that as long as it's safe. <laughs> well, there's nothing to see. It's not like you're driving down the boulevard looking at the Christmas lights. I mean, you, you land and you need to get to the gate and get get your passengers off. So 
And Ben, this question is from Brian in Nashville, also about Southwest. I read somewhere that Southwest is going to take 114 new 737s next year. 70 are for growth, and the rest are to replace retiring aircraft. Still, that's a lot of new capacity, almost 10% more aircraft than their current fleet. Are you prepared to predict if they'll stick with that plan? It just seems like a lot of stress on the company in combination with a tight labor market. Well, thank you, Brian. That is a lot of stress on the company, but Southwest has done that before. The real question is whether the economy and travel is going to absorb all that. Now, the good news is that Southwest carries a lot of leisure travel. They carry a lot of small business travel, too. But the leisure world seems to be largely back in terms of wanting to travel. And Southwest is such a major player in so many cities in the U.S. and also real popular destination spots like Florida, Las Vegas, Southern California, places like that. And so it's not a complete stretch to me that they could grow 10% next year, although that is a lot of growth. I agree with you. They have a couple of options if the world doesn't sort of go along that way. They could certainly probably defer some of those deliveries, or they could retire more airplanes. They've got a lot of older airplanes in their fleet. They might decide that more of these 114 airplanes are going to be replacement instead of gro- instead of just growth. So I think they've got a lot of flexibility in this fleet plan. I agree with you. It's fairly aggressive, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. That's my view. Well, they've also been pretty clear that 2022 growth is not about opening up new markets. It's about adding frequency back or perhaps adding a new route in markets in a market they've already served, but they're not going to be wholeheartedly opening new markets and new routes that do cause a lot more work. So if you're adding a seventh or eighth daily frequency on a particular route, that's much easier to absorb than starting from scratch or, like you said, adding new international service or other kinds of things that take a lot of resources. We'll be right back with Finer Wine. Promotional support for Airlines Confidential comes from thearchive.net, the hub of the history of commercial aviation with vintage timetables, route maps, brochures, historic flights, terminals, airplane cabins, virtual tours of airline maintenance and training facilities, models, safety cards, and menus, plus special flights and events. The archive.net is now boarding. Chris, this finer wine is from Patty in Arlington, Virginia. I just returned from escorting my elderly mother home to Chicago for Thanksgiving. Because of my status, I was offered an upgrade. I decided to take it and then allow my mother to sit in the first class seat on the way home as a special treat. Once we boarded, I explained to my mother what we were doing and that I'd sit in her seat in coach. When the flight attendant overheard the conversation, she said that wasn't allowed for security reasons. I never heard of such a thing. People give up their upgrades to members of the armed forces all the time, or at least they used to. There was too much going on to argue with her, but this seems like an overzealous enforcement of some imaginary rule. What do you think, Chris? Um, you know, this is a gray area. It's a great question. And, you know, I was trying to do a little research too. I mean, technically on a complimentary upgrade, some carriers say that doesn't belong to you, Ben, to give away. It was given to you as 
a gesture of your loyalty. So if you're not going to use it, we'll give it to the next passenger who has, quote, earned it. I've never heard of like this kind of strict enforcement, but you know, I don't think any flight attendant right now should be accused of being overzealous. It's a tough job. And so there probably are some guidelines that some carriers have suggested, perhaps if they had identified early on, you know, I'm going to trade seats with my mother and be more transparent. So, you know, I, I get her frustration. I don't think it's a it's a wine or a fine. I think it's just an interesting thing in the in the gray zone of passenger behavior and airline rules that kind of got vetted here. I think you've hit the nail on the head with this one, Chris, because clearly, as we all know, you can swap coach seats all you want, right? And somebody says, hey, I'd like to sit next to my my wife and we were seated apart. You say, sure, I'll move. And someone moves up and someone moves back, right? But it's all within the same cabin when that happens. And everybody bought a seat in that cabin that's involved in the swap. So I think you're right. It's the airline gave the upgrade to the one, but then sort of said, that's for you. And if you're not going to use it, it's not whoever you pick to sit there. It's whoever we pick to sit there. And I'm actually kind of shocked the flight attendants caught that, actually. I wonder if they had not spoken so loudly and the mom just sat there. Right. Right. If they had talked about it. Before they before they got on the airplane, they probably would have gotten away with it. I agree, and you know, for all of us dealing with aging parents, like you might have had to explain like three times what was going on, so it wasn't very easy to kind of just seamlessly make the move. I get what she was trying to do. I can also understand her frustration and unhappiness. So you know, I, I didn't know how to answer it. I think it's just a, it's a tie at this point. So as we wrap up for the week, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Boeing, which we haven't had a lot of chance to sing praise for, but uh, it looks like the Chinese aviation authorities are going to finally give the 737 MAX the clearance to start flying again. China was the last major holdout. So that will be a very nice holiday present for the Boeing team and a great way to start the new year. And then, Ben, I got to sneak in one quick second shout out, but it'll be brief. Go blue. <laughs> That's great. Thanks. Um, I'm going to follow that theme, Chris, of companies that have struggled of late, but have gotten some good news and give my shout out to Avianca. Avianca, the Colombian airline, a lot of people might realize is actually the second oldest airline in the world, which is kind of amazing. But they've been under Chapter 11 bankruptcy for the last year or so, and they've emerged from that bankruptcy. And Chris, you and I, having both been involved in a carrier in bankruptcy, you know how uncertain that can be and how difficult it can be. But Avianca has emerged from this bankruptcy with a strong balance sheet and much lower costs. And in a very dynamic world of Latin American aviation, they have historically been a big player, and it looks like they're trying to continue to be that big player. And with a, with a Viva Colombia hot on their heels, probably no better time to have emerged a little leaner and meaner. What can we say Viva Avianca to? <laughs> so, that's a great shout out as well. Listen, uh, everyone's been kind to listen to us again this week. So we appreciate your loyalty and we'll see you back here next week. Have a great week, everyone. This podcast is produced by Mass Media. Info at massmedia.net.